Glad you're here to worship with us this morning. We're starting a new message series today, and we're going to, in this series, consider all that God has given us and how we can give in return to him. We're heading toward the holidays here, and I, you know, I've grown up somewhat. I'm 52, and I, but I can still remember back in my younger days, as soon as it came close to Thanksgiving, I'm making my list of all the stuff I want, trying to give the hints out to mom, which weren't so subtle, I'm sure, just to, to try to make sure she knew exactly what I wanted. So we're going to use this holiday season to take a weekly pause uh, from the gift shopping and the thinking about that stuff to focus on <clears throat> the gifts that God has given us and then how we can return thanks and honor to him and some gifts that we have to give. Today, we're looking at our treasure, how God wants us to give that to him. And then next week, we're going to look at Thanksgiving, how we just, just give him thanks. That pleases God. Praise is the next week. Heartfelt praise. We give that back to God for what he's doing in our lives. And then obedience. We're going to look at some of the, the lives of the, the characters in the nativity story, in the story of Christ's birth, uh, later on, not today, but uh, as we get closer to Christmas, we're going to look at Joseph. One thing about Joseph, he just followed directions. You know, Joseph and Mary, Joseph of Joseph and Mary. Uh, he just followed directions. I mean, he was in a really tough spot, but he just did the next thing that God showed him to do. And then Mary, her attitude was, God, whatever you want to do, I'm your humble servant. I'm just here to serve you. And so we're going to look at service uh, in the last week of this series. So we're, we're looking at all that God has done and how we can give in return. Not, not in an effort to pay him back. We can't do that. We, we owe him too much. But in an effort to, to honor him and thank him for what he's done, we give in return. There are some specific gifts that please God, and that was the list of them. And if we really get it, we give them freely. First of all, today, let's look at the fact that God has given us all that we have. Really, everything that we have and everything that we enjoy, it comes from him, including life and everything. <laughs> Acts 17:25. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. God doesn't need us to pay him back. He doesn't need our gifts in return. Because he himself has given us all these things. He's the one who owns and runs the universe. He has given all men life and breath and everything else. Our next breath comes from God. Everything that we have and everything that we own is from him. He's also given us eternal life and security. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin, wages are something you earn. (laughs) And in scripture, what you find out is every person on the face of the earth decided to walk away from God. The first man and woman, they sinned. That, the word sin, sin really means to be in rebellion, 
to God. And they decided to try to live independently of God, and they walked away from him to, to live life, to take the things God had given them and try to handle life on their own. And so the wages of sin is death, spiritual death. Because we've decided to rebel against God, that cuts us off from knowing him personally. And so uh, that's the price we paid. That's the wage that we get for sin. It cuts us off from knowing God personally. That's spiritual death. The wages of sin is death. But what God did in response to that, here he is. He's the God who owns, runs the universe. He made us. He created us. And we walked away from him. But still, he loves us so much that he made a way for us to come back into a relationship with him in the person of Jesus Christ. So he came up with a remedy. The remedy was that Jesus would come to earth, he would be born, he would live a perfect life, he would die on the cross and be raised on the third day to pay the price for our sin. He paid our wage. He he didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve that wage. He hadn't earned it. We had. But he paid our debt. We sang that song right before this me- the, the message, right before I got up here. The debt is paid. The chains are gone. Because we were in debt, we were chained to some things. And um, we, we, were, we, we were set free by Jesus Christ to connect with God and experience all of the benefits of a relationship with him. That's the remedy. So when we repent, we've been going our own way. To repent means you do a 180, you turn around, and you decide to go God's way. When we repent, then, we are forgiven our debt, and we have a relationship with God. We're reconnected with him in a relationship. Our relationship with him is restored. He gives us eternal life. That's a gift from him. And not only do we have eternal life, which is life that goes on and on and on and on, so that our, our physical death here is just a transition into eternity, the next life that God has for us, that quality of life that we're going to enjoy forever in heaven invades us right now. It, it, because God in his spirit sets up residence in our hearts and we begin to experience the same quality of life that we're going to enjoy forever right here and now as we learn to cooperate with God in, in that sense. If, if you and I were going to go explore the bottom of the ocean, we would need some scuba gear, right? We'd need to have tanks, and we'd, be, need, we'd need to be able to take our breath with us so we'd be able to breathe in, a, in sort of a foreign environment. To us. We don't have gills. We need help. And in the same way, that's what happens when you come to Christ, because our world is not conducive to righteousness, peace, joy. You, you don't on your own have the power to actually transform the way that you do when Jesus comes to set up residence. So when you come to Christ, he, he gives you the ability, the power to actually begin to change and experience a different quality of life. We're, we're connected like the scuba diver. The spirit lives in us, and we, we, we can carry that around in this world that's hostile to that kind of living. And we have the ability then and the power to be different. 
when, when, we, when we come to know Christ, we can experience that eternal quality of life that we'll enjoy forever. So we have that. It invades our existence. We get a taste. We'll get the banquet later on. We get a taste of what life is going to be like and when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom and makes a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, and we also have eternal life that is secure. It's also it's secure. We're secure in him. There's that eternal quality that we enjoy. We get a taste and a banquet later on. And our, that life is secure in him. John 10, 27, 28 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. This is Jesus talking. And they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch me, snatch them out of my hand. So we're secure once we come to know him, and we've decided to, to repent, to turn around and walk with him. We're secure in him. That we've given, we're given eternal life, and it's secure in him. God also gives us a purpose in the here and now, which is very important as you go through your days and you, you sort of lose focus on what life is all about and you're, you're wondering. There is purpose in the here and now that God gives us as we reconnect with him and follow him. He, he makes life meaningful and good. Isaiah 42, 5 through 7 says this. This is what God, the Lord, says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and, to li- and life to those who walk on it, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. In a very real way, when we walked away from God, and every one of us has, has done that, when we walked away from him and disconnected with, from him through sin, we have been held captive spiritually by the enemy. That's not just a metaphor that we sing, that, that we sung about, you know, that my chains are gone. Um, th- this is actually what's happening spiritually in the lives of those who are separated from God. We have habits of the mind, we have habits of the emotions that keep us trapped in hurtful patterns of living. <clears throat> they show up in our words and our deeds and our relationships. When you come to Christ, he sets you free from those. He, he sets you free from that captivity. And as a follower of Christ, we have a part in setting people free. Because as we introduce people to Christ and they come to know him, they are set free to be different people. They get their tank and they can breathe a different kind of air, a different kind of life. Jesus actually quoted when he, the first time he spoke in Nazareth, which was his hometown. He was born in Bethlehem. He spoke uh, in the synagogue in Nazareth. And when he spoke there, he quoted Isaiah 61, which is very close. The wording is very close to this passage that I read just now. He said, you know, it says, I have come to set the prisoners free. This is the purpose of his life. He came because our rebellion opened the window, the door 
to Satan, the enemy, taking people captive, taking us captive. And so he came to set us free. And, and now when we introduce people to Christ and help them come into a real, they're free. We have a part of this is the purpose that we live for. It's the purpose Jesus lived for. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, for, uh, for the Son of Man, speaking of himself, came, came to seek and to save the lost. This is, this is the core of why he existed. To help people who were lost to God, people who were disconnected from him, come back into a relationship with him. So that's part of what God has given us. As you reconnect with him, you get into a relationship with him. He's already given us life and everything else. He's given us eternal life, and he's made it secure. And then he's also given us this purpose that we can live for that, that gives us just meaning to our days and meaning to the life that God has blessed us with. So God has given us everything. And out of gratitude... We honor the Lord by giving in return. This is sort of the theme for this next message series, or this message series that I'm doing right now. We honor the Lord by giving in return. There are things that we give back to him in return. Um, Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 23, shows how we give out of our income. We give out of our treasure, the, the, the produce that comes out of our, our work. We give in honor to him. Uh, you must tithe all of your crops every year. Bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. A tithe is a tenth. And the pattern in Scripture is that God's people give a percentage of their income in return for the blessings that he's given to them. That's really sort of a bottom line. He really wants us to grow past that. Uh, but that's, that's the pattern. That's sort of the bottom line of giving. God wants us to give 10% in return to him to honor him. To help his work move forth. To help his purpose be accomplished on this earth. And that's, that's his plan. This honors him. This reminds us, as this passage says, it reminds us that he really is first in our lives. He, he's the number one. He, he's the source of our life. And he's number one in our life. And so it's right to give in return to the one who made us. And then the one who bought us back when we rebelled. He paid a high price for us. Listen to David's response. David was one of the major kings in the nation of Israel, kind of the one that everybody looks back to. Uh, his era was great era. He, he really loved God. He made some horrendous mistakes, but uh, <clears throat> in spite of that, God poured out his grace on him, and David did pay a price for those mistakes. But God really used him in the life of the nation of Israel, and he was one of the kings in the glory days, and he always wanted to build a temple to honor God, but God didn't let him do it. And there were some reasons for that. That's part of the price he paid for the life he lived. But his son was going to build the temple. At the end of David's life, 
he asked the Israelites to bring an offering so that they could begin to get ready to build this temple, so Solomon could build the temple. And here's what David says as the people brought their offering in. But who am I and who are, we, who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. So you can see the attitude. This is, this is the right attitude toward life and toward giving in return. God has given us. He's given us our time. He's given us a certain amount of time on the earth. He's given us our talents, our abilities, our strength. And he's given us our treasure. And the Bible has an awful lot to say about our treasure, about how we should manage it, how we should handle it, how we should be faithful with the, the money that God has provided. And I think one of the reasons is, I mean, there's, there are a lot of verses. There's over 2,500 verses on, on money, very practical help on handling your money. Uh, 16 out of 38 of the parables that Jesus told have to do with money. I think the reason is, is because God wants our heart. And since we spend a lot of our time and a lot of our talent and abilities earning our money, our money is very close to our heart. And so this is a way that we can really honor God by giving in return for what he's done. It's close to our heart. And, and it's, it's, it's an area that God really works in. It's amazing once you begin to see God work in your heart and life as you give. Giving a tithe is a way that God wants us to honor and thank him for our lives and everything else. I used to be a little skittish about talking on this topic of giving when, when we first started the church. Um, but... I've learned over the years that it's a core part of our walk with God, and there is tremendous blessing as you grow in generosity. God takes you where you are, and he helps you grow into it, thankfully. I needed, I needed help. Um, but as you grow, you can really see God work. This is, a, this is not a static, I write a check, and I don't see what happens. You, you write a check, you, you give out of your heart to God, and he responds in amazing ways. So as you obey him and honor him this way, your faith grows. Let's look at some of the blessings and benefits that God gives. God adds blessing and brings many benefits when we give. He doesn't, he doesn't have to. It's really right for us to do this, but boy, he's a gracious God. He keeps giving. One thing that happens, one of the benefits is it keeps things in perspective when you give. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Now, whether you recognize that or not, 
you're made by God, he has his stamp of ownership on your life. And when you commit yourself to follow Christ, what happens is <clears throat> you, you admit, you, you recognize, God, you own me. You made me and you own me. And he wants our giving to flow out of a rightful understanding of his place in our lives, the fact that he is the owner. Those, those who acknowledge God's ownership give freely as he directs. And I, one of the benefits is it keeps things in perspective. It helps you maintain a renter's mentality on life. You know, I don't know about you, uh, but I don't, I don't know if you've ever rented. You probably have. I think probably all of us have rented an apartment or a house at one time. Very much different attitude, uh, or maybe you're still renting. I really, before I owned a home, I really liked the fact that when something went wrong, I could call the landlord or something needed to be fixed, you know, something needed to be fixed or the flooring was wearing out. Sometimes the landlord would come in and pay to get it fixed and changed. And right now I'm doing flooring, so I really am focused on on flooring, (laughs) doing some flooring at, at my house. A renter's mentality toward life really helps bring calm and reduces the tension. Because even though I'm paying for a house and supposedly I'm a homeowner, I'm not going to really have it that much longer. Maybe maybe 20 years, 30 years if I stand. Cindy and I just bought a bed with a 20-year warranty. And we're thinking, that may be the last one we need. I don't know. That'll take us to 72. It might be the last one we need. You're not guaranteed. No matter, what, no matter how much you own, you could own your car, you could own your house, you could own it. You're still a renter. That's the perspective of Scripture. You're only here for a little while. That makes all the difference. Because what happens, if God owns me, if he owns my car, if he owns my house, if I'm trying to use it for his purpose, something goes wrong, I call God. God, I don't know if I have enough money to cover this or not. Could you help me? I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. Would you give me a hand? And he provides because he's so gracious. To do so, we can rely on him. And that's what giving does. It's a reminder that God is first. He owns it all. And he's the landlord. He's going to provide. And he's going to meet your need. Releases the tension and the stress. Second thing it does is it strengthens faith. Giving is a way that we can watch God work in our lives right now. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. It's the only place in Scripture where we're invited to test God, and it's in the area of finances, in the area of giving. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Test him. Check it out. This is not a static thing. This is dynamic. You give, and you watch what God does. You watch him open up. Faith is something that grows like a muscle. You exercise it. So our giving does that. As the offering plate goes by, there's something spiritual happening in your heart as you give. There's there's a dynamic thing going on. This is a way to exercise your faith. Bring the whole tithe and see if God doesn't honor it in the way that he responds. Remember that God is involved in our finances. And giving a tithe is a way to see him respond in a positive way. 10% off the top 
is what he asked for. Third, it's an antidote to materialism. First Timothy six seventeen through 18 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. We've all experienced that, haven't we? With the economy going the way it has. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. My wife is a giver, and one thing she would always do at Christmas time is she would get the kids, our kids involved, in some kind of project where we were giving something away, where we were serving or giving something away. It reminded them that Christmas Day may be the day when we open all the gifts and we get this stuff, but it's really about giving your life away, giving yourself away. And that's what you find out as you grow up in the Lord, as you grow up, period. Life's about giving, giving, giving away. As you give, you get life itself back from God. He really blesses. And that, that yearly focus on serving and giving stuff away in our family helped offset the black hole that's created by gimme, gimme, gimme. As they watch commercials and make their list of stuff they want. It's very important to realize life is about giving away. And giving reverses selfishness and it expresses contentment. God, thank you. You've given me all I need. You've given me everything that really matters. And I'm I'm returning this to you. Finally, giving blesses me in return. There's a giving cycle that takes place. Proverbs 11.25 talks about it. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. This is a law in life. Whoever sows sparingly, you plant a few seeds, you're going to reap a a smaller crop. You sow generously, you you plant a bunch of seeds, you're going to reap a huge crop. That's the way it works in the realm of giving. And this is the way God responds. God's pattern is to multiply things. You plant one kernel of corn, one seed of corn, and a a whole stalk grows up that has many seeds on it for many more stalks. And God, this is a pattern that God has built into life. It's the way he works. And if you're generous with whatever, you get that back. If you're generous with criticism, you get a bunch of criticism back. If you're generous with gossip, you get a lot of gossip back. And you get that nasty atmosphere that you have to live in. If if you give encouragement, you're generous with encouragement, you get it back. So many times we want to be refreshed. And the key to refreshment is, God, would you bring the refreshment I need as I'm setting my heart to refresh others. It comes back. This is, this is the way God's made life to work. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6. Never criticize or condemn, or it will come back on you. Go easy on others, then they will do the same for you. For if you give, you will get. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, and running over. Whatever measure you use to give, Large or small will be used to measure what is given back to you. A friend of mine says you use a teaspoon, you give a teaspoon's worth, you get a teaspoon back. You back the dump truck up 
you give that, that's what you get back. The measure you decide to use, if, if you're sort of stingy and hanging on to everything, life shrivels up. But if you just let it go and give, God blesses in return accordingly to how you've given. There's a giving cycle that kicks in when we give. Um, many of you may know Thad and Rhonda King. Thad helped us get this church started. He was here for seven or eight years, and then he went to plant a church in Huntington Beach, and he's been there for since about 95 or 96, so 12 or 13 years. And he is probably the most giving person I know. Back in college, which was a long time ago, I think it was, well, over 30 years ago, way back there, 34 34, 35 years ago. I've known Thad for a long time. We would meet at Bayou Bob's. It was a restaurant. I'd have the clam chowder. And then he would, he would teach me how to walk with God. And then we'd talk about ministry. He'd teach me about ministry. And I really learned a lot from him. One of the things that I really learned from him is just to open up your heart and give with abandon. He's amazing. This guy just, every time you have lunch with him, I used to just take it in college. He'd pay. I used to just take it. A few times I've tried to, you know, wrestle the check out of his hands. It's really a dogfight to, to pay myself. And sometimes I've done it. You just, you just feel bad. It's just an ugly scene when, when he's fighting over it and everything. But he really is the most giving guy I know. And he's been paying a price to plant that church in Huntington Beach. They've lived very simply, been renting a home. And, uh, I want to tell you a, a couple stories about What's happened to him recently is an example of this giving cycle. Um, he, he goes to a restaurant. I think it's in Seal Beach. The, the guy who owns this restaurant owns a couple. He owns one in Newport Beach, one in Seal Beach. He goes to this restaurant and he prays. He goes there at 4.30 every morning and he prays for an hour or two. I would imagine that's not very, the restaurant's not very full at that time, so he can read the Bible and pray and do some stuff. Well, he found out that the owner of the restaurant had cancer. So he told the waitress, let, let your boss know that I'm going to be praying for him, that he'll be healed of the cancer. Well, a few months go by, and he's in there one morning, and he sees the waitress pointing to him, and there's a man standing by her, and the man comes over to him, and he says, I understand you've been praying for me. That says, yeah, I have. And he said, well... He said, I'm the owner. I understand you've been praying for me. That says, yes, I have. And he said, well, I've been, I've been healed of the cancer. It's in remission. So I really want to say thank you for doing that. And Thad struck up a relationship with the owner of the restaurant. And uh, <clears throat> a few weeks later, Thad got a call. He was driving around. He got a call from a travel agent. The, the owner had found out Thad was trying to get the money together to take his wife to Hawaii for their 30, 30th anniversary. It was like a couple years late, <laughs> but he was still working on it. And, and he, got, he, got, he got the call, and this travel agent said, is this Thad King? And Thad said, yes, it is. And, and she said, well, this is what I've been told to tell you. Jesus is sending you to Hawaii. <laughs> and so the, the owner of the restaurant had paid the travel agent whatever they needed to, to send him to Hawaii. The man started coming to their church, and he uh, 
committed his life to Christ. He found out Thad was trying to put some money to buy a house. Now, to buy a house when you haven't been a homeowner in Huntington Beach as a first home right now, kind of a stretch. And so he found out that Thad was putting, trying to put the money together to do this. And he, he said, Thad, what kind of house are you looking for? Thad said, you know, bottom-lined it or whatever. And then one of the gals in the congregation says, I'll look, see if there's anything on the Internet. You know, she looks and she, she gives a couple add-ons to the house that Thad mentioned. And, and the guy writes a check for the house and says, now you, you've got a little time to put together the, the rest of the financing, but I'm going to give 100000 of this to help you get into that house. Now, on Thad's salary... The rest of it is a stretch. <laughs> and so we're going to be helping raise some funds because his house is a ministry center. They don't have a building just like us. His house is a ministry center where a lot of things happen in the life of the church. But I, I share that with you because I looked at my wife and she was crying. It got me. <laughs> but uh, I share that with you because here's a guy and his wife, Dad and Rhonda. They have lived their life with abandon to God. They, they just give without any thought of themselves. As long as I've known him, 30, 34, 35 years. <clears throat> and God blesses him in return. I'm telling you, this, this is live stuff. It's not static. It's not boring. But when you give, God brings it back. You don't give to get back. And I, I guarantee you that hasn't done that. But over and over again, <clears throat> I've been the pastor here for 22 years. I've seen the hearts of people turn inside out, and begin to give. And as they do that, God blesses them in amazing ways, far beyond you could ever imagine. <clears throat> there are some next steps that you could take. They're listed at the bottom of your listening guide. <clears throat> and they're on the connection card as, as well. We're going to be receiving our offering in a few moments. And so if if you could fill that connection card out and drop it in there, that'd be great. That's coming up. <clears throat> One of the steps could be to memorize Proverbs 11:25. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Just to remind you to turn inside out and give your life away. And try to be encouraging and refreshing and serve and help. Another step could be, I will start giving a percentage of my income to CIV either tithe the full 10% or take faith steps to grow into a tithe. Maybe, maybe you're new to the faith. Maybe going from zero to 60 is a lot. But think about a percentage. Go before God. Ask him to help you figure out a percentage of, of your income that you could give. And watch what God does. Watch how he responds. And then <clears throat> I'd like to ask you to begin to pray this week about how much to give to the CIV Christmas offering. We have a Christmas offering every year. We're doing it differently this year. We're going to divide it three ways. Um, 1700 we have a couple from our church that is serving in Central Asia, 
and they are trying to reach a people group there. And they need uh, a satellite system in order to be able to connect to the Internet. It's very helpful. Uh, they're, they're running, uh, they're, they're trying to start and help the indigenous people there uh, to start a carpet business. And they actually have a website. If you'd like a, a, a very qu- high-quality carpet, let me know. I can give you the website. <laughs> it helps them out. They're trying to get rid of a lot of, a lot of product. I mean, they're not cheap, but um, it's a way that they can bless the people that they're serving. Um, but they need a, a satellite system to hook up to the Internet, and we're going to aim to raise $1,700 to give to them for that. That's what we need in addition to we had $1,300 that we could just give already. So <clears throat> that's one of the things we want to give to. We'd also like to give 60% of the remaining to the kings to help with their house and then 40% to the World Missions Fund. So two, two, two of the three are going to missions outside of the U.S. and one to a, a, a mission inside the U.S. since the kings use their house so much for, for ministry. So I'd like to ask you to pray about how much to give to that, and let's pray together as we get ready to move on in worship. Father, we thank you for your word that guides us, God. It helps us get, you help us get outside of ourselves. You're so gracious with us and patient, and it, it really is true as we turn our hearts inside out to begin to give our life away, life comes back to us. In, in abundance. Father, thank you for showing us this and teaching us how you really bless our lives as we give them in return to you. Thank you for this lesson. Help us to have the power to take the steps uh, to really honor you in this way. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. <clears throat>